0: to start tonight in in Luke chapter 11 Luke chapter 11 glad you're here on this slippery night I'm glad we're not living in Aberdeen what did i hear 16 inches of snow in Aberdeen they're going to be in the shovel business for the next few days up there but um, we really dodged a bullet because this part of the this part of the map got very little the rest of the state got hammered pretty good so appreciate you being here Know, Pastor, appreciate you being here. you got an opportunity to help out down at uh, Sioux Falls tonight. And uh, hopefully he'll make it there and back again. And have a good time trying to encourage the folks there. I want to share with you tonight a lesson on the Disciples' Prayer. We call it the Disciples' Prayer because the Lord's Prayer is really in John 17. And uh, this is the prayer that most of us, especially if you were saved out of another denomination, you probably learned this prayer if you're like me, you had to memorize it for confirmation. And if you have been to a funeral in a Lutheran church or a Catholic church or a Presbyterian church or a Methodist church in the past month or so, they probably had the entire congregation say this prayer. Uh, it's recorded in Luke, and we're going to look also at the recording in Matthew. But let's start in Luke's record here, and I'll start in verse number one, and then I'll, I'll read to verse number four, okay? (coughs) It says, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place that he would be Jesus, that he stopped he ceased. One of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, he didn't ask, teach us how to pray. He said, teach us to pray. You don't have to be complicated. You don't have to be educated. You just got to talk to God. You just got to pray. And he says, Lord, teach us to pray. And then he says, as John also taught his disciples. So Jesus says unto them, When you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done as in heaven, so on earth. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. <clears throat> and then turn to Matthew chapter 6, and we'll read a little more a lengthy copy of that prayer. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5. Matthew 6, starting in verse 5. You have a red-lettered edition of the Bible. These are in red, so the Lord himself is speaking. Verse number 5 says, When thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth thee in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. After this manner therefore pray ye. Excuse me. And then I want to add also verses 14 and 15. He says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your love for us, your watch care over us your mercy and grace to us. Thank you for your protection for us, Lord, and the and just the, the love you keep sending our way. We do appreciate you, Lord, so much. We appreciate the fact that you gave us a Holy Spirit to be our friend and to be our guide and to be our comforter. We appreciate so much that you came to the cross and died for us. We appreciate so much that you were born and you came to this earth as a man and you lived amongst us, so you know and have gone through all the heartaches and pains and trials that we go through. And Lord, we just pray tonight that as we look at this disciple's prayer that we might be reminded once again how privileged we are to call you our Father. Lord, we pray tonight that your Holy Spirit would help in this short lesson. In your name we pray. Amen. Now the quiz questions, I won't have you answer them from the crowd because if it's been recorded, it won't be on the mic. But the questions I I wanted to ask are, are, could you quote it? Now, how many of you would raise your hand and say, as a child, I had to learn the disciples' prayer? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be the name. How many had to memorize it when you were young? Okay, so about half of you had to memorize it when you were young. Uh, That means probably half of you could say that from memory. Now, usually in the other churches, when they say this at a funeral, or they say it at the end of a church service, it's all done by memory. They don't have it recorded any place in a hymn book or anything. The people just quote it from memory. It's a very common practice amongst some of the other denominations. What do you think the major theme of this particular prayer is? Jesus, in teaching his disciples to pray, he had a major theme, and it's mentioned more than once. In fact, in the last last four verses we read, it's mentioned six times. Forgiveness is the theme. In other words, if we're going to pray the disciples prayer, and it's not a sin to pray it. But you need to keep in mind that the Lord expects us to be a forgiving people. I mean, he forgave you and you were a rascal. And that means we are to forgive others when they are a rascal to us. Because God is a forgiving God. And forgiveness, I believe, is a major theme of this disciples prayer. And then the third question is, who should be quoting it? Who should be saying, if anybody is to be saying this prayer, our Father which art in heaven, who should be saying it? Believers should be saying it. Now, a lot of the cults include it, a lot of the false prophets include it, and a lot of the false churches include it. But if they're not saved, they really don't have the authority to call God their father because they are still of their father, the devil. They haven't been yet born again. So really, this is a prayer that you and I should learn. We should know, but we don't want to be guilty of vain repetition, so we understand that as a Baptist church, we're not going to say it on a regular basis, but it's okay to say it. Let's see what we can learn about it today. I have three quotes here, and don't ask me who said these, but I think they're pretty good. Prayer's main contribution is that it changes people, not just things. Can the Lord change the weather? Of course. Can the Lord use a sickness to get our attention? Of course. But the Lord uses prayer, and this particular prayer has a contribution in that it changes us. It changes you and I. It makes us more forgiving, if you will. Secondly, the length of prayer is not near as vital as the strength of prayer. The length of prayer is not near as vital as the strength of prayer. And then thirdly, prayer should not be filled with panic, but prayer should be filled with God's purpose. Prayer should not be filled with panic, but it should be filled with with God's purpose. Now I'm going to give you tonight five should nots, things that we should not regard in relationship to this prayer pattern, or uh, five things we should not do in Matthew 6, verses 5 through 15. So let's see if we can get started here. First of all, we should not pray. We should not be as the hypocrites. That's letter A there. And by the way, if you want to sneak ahead and fill in the blanks, all these words start with the letter H, and most of them are found in the text. So first of all, we should not be or we should not pray as the hypocrites. Verse number five of Matthew six, and when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. (coughs) I believe it was the funeral in the, I think it's the rotunda where they bury presidents, where they have a funeral service for the presidents. I believe it's called the rotunda. But I believe it was Gerald Ford's funeral. And they asked this soldier if he would pray. And I know that the soldier was, 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 he was, told by his superior officers that he could not use the name of Jesus as he prayed. And as I listened, I told my wife, when he started praying, I said, this man is a believer. And he began to pray and he prayed very eloquently. He, I think he had it written out, but he put some thought into it. Because when he got to the end of the prayer, instead of saying in Jesus' name, he said, and in the name of that beloved one, who shed his blood on the cross and died for our sins. I pray, amen. Now he probably got busted in rank. He probably lost the stripe. He may have even been thrown out of the army for violating the orders of his superior officers. He did not use the name of Jesus, but he did use the name of Jesus because he was not ashamed. He did not want to get up and have a prayer for the president of the United States and have it be something out of a book or something that was simply memorized, or something that was full of vain repetition. He didn't want to pray hypocritically, and you and I should not pray hypocritically either. We're not known for long-winded prayers. We're known for prayers that touch the throne of God. I love hearing old-timers pray. You say, well, pastor, you're an old-timer. I mean, really old-timers. I love to hear people in their 90s and some 100 years old pray. And I love to hear little children pray because they cut right to the chase. They pray about what's important. They pray with simplicity. And they pray, and they pray with the Holy Spirit leading in their life. Let's not pray as the hypocrites are praying. Let her be here. Not only should we not pray as the hypocrites, but we should not use vain repetitions as do the heathens. Heathen is letter B. Verse 6 says, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. When thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. (coughs) The heathen love vain repetition. That's how they begin to brainwash you. Now you say, well, pastor, when we sing songs, when we sing Silent Night, isn't that vain repetition? Most of us have it memorized. Most of us can sing the first and the last stanza without looking at the hymn book. Is that vain repetition? The vanity is in the condition and the position of the heart. The vanity is not because the words are there and you have the words memorized. Vanity is when your heart simply says them and there's an emptiness there. There's a vanity there, there's a uselessness there. You're just saying words that mean nothing. And that's what the heathen do. They say words that mean nothing. It's a lot like rock and roll music. Words that mean nothing. <laughs> I, thought I'd, I thought I'd get an amen there. One of my favorite rock and roll songs, and it was really hard to learn the lyrics, but in the 70s it was a popular song and the words were no, 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 no. That's all the words were. Just no, no, no. I taught my daughters, I said, that's the best Christian song I've ever heard because that's what you need to do when the devil tries to get you to disobey. You need to learn to say, no, 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 no. But if you look at the history of the Beatles or the history of, of of some of the rock stars that became millionaires and became famous, all you'll see is vain repetition, vain repetition, vain repetition. And that is a heathenistic characteristic. And that's why your pastor can get up here and say with all the authority of the word of God that rock and roll music is heathenistic because it's nothing but empty, vain repetition. Not all songs are bad, but some songs are pretty useless. And sometimes that sneaks into the church. Let's not pray as the hypocrites. Let's not use vain repetition as do the heathen. The next word is the word heard. It's also in verse seven. We should not think... That much speaking is a way to get heard. Look at the last part of verse 7. The first part says, But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. The Lord isn't interested so much in the number of words we use in our prayer, the Lord is most interested in the heart that's behind the prayer. And uh, he'll hear you if the, if the pride is gone. He'll hear you if it's not vain repetition and empty repetition. He will hear you if you're not praying in a hypocritical fashion. But we are not to pray and think that much speaking is a way to get heard. We see too much of that in politics, okay? Let's go to the, thir- the fourth one here. Uh, a was hypocrites, B was heathen, C is heard, Now, letter D, we've got to be a little bit creative, but I use the words harbor and hearts. We should not allow any unforgiveness to harbor in our hearts or hang in our hearts, whichever you like. They both start with H. Let's look at verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive men their their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive men not their trespasses, in other words, you're going to harbor that bitterness in your heart. If you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. So we should not allow unforgiveness to harbor in our hearts. We shouldn't let them hang around. You see, well, what if what if the what if the other party doesn't accept my forgiveness? That's on them. Cancer specialists say that you should forgive or perish. I believe unforgiveness creates poisonous toxins in your body. And I believe a lot of people get unnecessarily sick, sick to their stomach, sick to their whole system because they carry an unforgiving spirit. Look what they did to Christ. And he said, Father, forgive them. Look what they did, they stoned Stephen. And Stephen said, forgive them. They know not what they do. What, what are you harboring or holding against somebody that needs a little bit of love and forgiveness? You know, I, I have lost people all the time take pot shots at my faith and they criticize my Savior and they don't like my stand on, on liquor and all those other sins, and, and they, they're, they're hard on me. But you know what? I expect that out of lost people. I expect lost people to behave that way. I'm not mad at them. They need to be saved. They might be mad at me, but that's their problem. I need to have a forgiving spirit towards them. One of the ladies yesterday morning at the Prime Timer breakfast uh, quoted, I think it was Ephesians four thirty-two: "Be ye kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another." You say, "Well, you don't know what that person did to me." No, but God does. God knows what that person did to you forgive them. Set yourself free of all those toxins. Don't harbor hatred and don't harbor uh, unforgiveness in your hearts, okay? Harbor, don't allow any unforgiveness to harbor in your hearts, verses 14 and 15. And now, letter E here. We should not pray it unless we are sure of heaven. For here, I've given you a verse here, Matthew 23 and verse 9. So, Keep your finger in Matthew 6 here, we're coming back. But if you go to chapter 23 and verse number 9, and I'm going to pick a little bit on our Catholic friends here. <coughs> I often wonder how the Catholic people get by with this. Jesus said, Call no man your father upon the earth. For one is your father, which is in heaven. The first part of that prayer, our father, which art in heaven, that's proper to call somebody in a clergy's uniform father is unbiblical and it's, it's not proper. And it's, it's not reverential. It's irreverential. We have a father, which is in heaven and we don't elevate the hierarchy of other churches simply because they think it's okay to call them father. Now, when it happens, and you are in a church that does that, uh, don't criticize your friends in other churches. Gently correct them. That's the little note on the bottom there. And, you know, how many of you have to go to funerals in other churches besides a Baptist church? Let me see your hand. Okay, so you run into some of this. You're probably not going to be able to fix them while you're in their church. But when they come over for coffee the next couple days... you you can certainly challenge them or ask them, why do you call your priest father? Why do you do that? And they'll probably give you their side of it. And then ask them, well, how in the Catholic Church does one get saved? And they're usually gonna say, I don't know. So then you tell them how to get saved. You get the gospel out and you give it to them. But these errors that are in all these other churches and all these other denominations that are wrong you and I need to stand for truth and when the situation calls for us to give an answer the Bible says be ready always to give an answer we need to try to straighten them out in a gently in a in a gentle Christian fashion we don't have to throw rotten eggs at them we don't have to get mad and storm out of the house we can just say what saith the lord what does the bible say about that and then show them chapter and verse let them read for themselves and let the Holy Spirit of God convict and correct their hearts because they certainly need it. So those are the five under Roman numeral one. Hypocrites, heathen, herd, harbor and hearts and then heaven. Let's go to the second part here. Six obvious patterns we can use in our prayer lives from this model. You can see there's a little type type couple typos there. Our. you are. Our. And model. It's supposed to be uh, an O there. I think I typed with an A. So forgive me for my senior mistakes. Letter A. We should start prayer by acknowledging our great God. Back to our text in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Jesus says, after this manner, therefore pray ye. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We are acknowledging heaven. We are acknowledging God's holiness. We are acknowledging his highness, the highest possible God. He is bigger than all the other gods. I think it's in Jeremiah or Isaiah. Don't quote me on it but he's the God of all gods, God with capital G of all the other little gods, small g. He's at the top of the pile. And so often in the false churches and the false religions and in the cults, he's not at the top and he needs to be at the top. He's our father, which is in heaven. And his name is holy, 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 we sing. It's his kingdom that will come. Sure, the Satan's, satan's having a little bit of a picnic now and he's having some fun torturing christians but god's will will be done on earth and one day be just like it's done in heaven and you and i will see the truth of all that and we need to start our prayers by acknowledging our great god he's not your buddy in the sky And he's not the old man upstairs. You'll see athletes, they'll say that. Yeah, the old man was good to me, I got a touchdown. That is so blasphemous. (laughs) He's not that. He is our heavenly father. And he sent us Jesus to die for us. And he's the creator of the universe. And for you and I to take his name lightly is, is hypocritical and it's wrong. And so we address him as our Father which art in heaven. We acknowledge His greatness and His goodness. We acknowledge His authority. We acknowledge His holiness. And that's how we should start our prayers. That's why you kneel. You ever wonder why you kneel when you pray? You don't have to, but I'm sure some of you do sometimes. I do when I'm in a crisis, I kneel. I don't kneel as much now as I used to because my knees hurt. But it's good to kneel because what you're doing is you're getting prostrate before the God of the universe. Every knee will bow, the word of God says. You can bow now or you can bow later, but we're all going to bow one day. So we just as well start practicing. When we bow our knee before God, it's an act of submission. You're recognizing his authority. You're recognizing his leadership. You're recognizing his control of your life. You're recognizing that he's in charge and you're not. He doesn't bow his knee before us. We bow our knees before him. And we call him our heavenly father and his name is hallowed and his kingdom will come and his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven and then secondly let her be here we then can ask him once we've acknowledged our great god we can ask him to supply our daily bread look at verse 11 jesus says when you pray just pray this way give us this day our daily bread now the folks from a regular radio bible class in grand rapids michigan uh, made a little devotional started several years ago called our daily bread. And uh, I I read several devotions and that's one of the many that I read, but I'm glad I started that habit. It's one of the best habits you can have. It's just spending a few minutes in God's word every day, looking for some daily direction, looking for some daily guidance, looking for some, some daily vitamin pills to get your spiritual side going. And if you're not having your daily bread, maybe you should start having it. Breakfast is very, very important. And it should include the word of God, his daily bread. We should be asking for that. Help him. Ask, say, Lord, I need some daily bread. I need to know what your word says about my day. I need to know what your will is for my day. Lord, maybe there's some, something you want to warn me about today. Maybe, maybe the cults are coming to my door today. Maybe, maybe there's something you want to warn me about. Lord, give us this day our daily bread we acknowledge our great God. We ask him to supply our daily bread. Let C. see. Forgiveness should then be administered on a regular basis. Verse number 12. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Any hatred, any bitterness, any problems that you're having with other people, lay him at the foot of the cross. Uh, some of my deepest wounds have come from family and close friends. But for some reason, the Lord allowed that to happen in my life. Romans 8:28. we know that all things work together for good. to Them that love God and are called according to his purpose. I even have to have a forgiving spirit towards my enemy. You know, that's one thing that sets us apart from all the other religions. We are taught to love our enemies and we begin that love process by practicing forgiveness it's very important that we administer forgiveness on a regular basis I forgave people last week I'm probably gonna to have to forgive some people this week and there's a good chance I'll have to ask for forgiveness and seek forgiveness next week it just should be part of our walk a forgiveness attitude in life, it makes life so much easier when we have that. Forgiveness, that is administered. So A was acknowledged. B was asked. C is administered. Did you guess which letter? The second cr- group is, we're, we're using the word A, okay? Or the letter A. Letter D here, asking God to help us avoid evil is a good practice. Asking God to help us avoid evil is a good practice. Look at verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I don't know about you, but I see the devil as a real rascal. He's alive, but he's not well. And I don't know if he gnaws at you, and I don't know if he raises his roar in your face, and I don't know if he trips you up on the basis uh, on a weekly basis, but he does me. He's just after me all the time. And I'm praying, Lord, if i got to deal with the devil, make it early in the morning so I can handle some of that. Because I, I'm just worn out in the afternoon Uh, but the devil can rob me of my time the devil can rob me of my temperament he he can he can rob me of my tithe he'll always tell people when i go visit them in the hospital and and they haven't been tithing i say well look it's this way folks you can either give the tithe or the devil's going to take it and it's your your choice Uh, much easier to give freely and to give happily than to have something happen where the devil takes all your money away But the devil loves it when you're in poverty, and he can control you, and he can make your life miserable. And uh, I'm always asking God to help me avoid evil. Uh, Lord, send the devil in somebody else's direction today, because I don't feel like wrestling him. But we wrestle against flesh and blood. Our, Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against spiritual wickedness in high places. It's against the devil himself. And if you're not praying, for that avoidance, maybe the devil's going to work a little harder on you. Uh, I went to the zoo in Duluth in the spring of '79. Before we got out of the hospital, I wanted to go to the zoo, and I specifically wanted to go to the zoo and see the lion. And I specifically wanted to go to the zoo when it was feeding time for the lion. So I went to the west side of Duluth, and they had one lion in the cage. And I asked the zookeeper, I said, What time do you feed them? He says, Well, we'll be feeding them in about 20 minutes. You want to watch? I said, I sure do. And that and that zookeeper, they had a trapdoor on the top, and they had a box. Ooh, how do I describe this? Probably about as big as half that area back there that this they had this lion caged in. And the trapdoor was on the top, that's where he dropped the food. And the uh he had a big, I don't know, whether it was a half a pig or the leg of a a deer or the leg of a cow or whatever, just this huge chunk of meat. And he said, uh, we haven't fed him for a while, he's gonna be hungry. And uh, he opened up that trap door and I was watching through the bars, praise the Lord for the bars. I was watching through the bars and I tell you what, as soon as that door opened, that cat looked up there and he saw that big chunk of meat coming down and he just lunged at it. Grabbed that chunk of meat and pulled it into the corner of his cage and started gnawing at it. And you said, well, why did you do that? Because the devil's as a roaring lion, and you're the fle- you're the meat that he's after. He just he wants to wreck your life. He wants to wreck your marriage. He wants to wreck your family. He wants to wreck your testimony. And you need to pray that God will help you when he comes knocking on your door, because he's he's a vicious animal. And he we have got the victory. We know that we have the victory in Christ. But that doesn't mean he's not still attacking and scratching and, and biting. He still does that. So ask God for help to avoid evil and uh, stay away from that. And then letter E here is finally apply. Apply glory, apply rule, and apply power to him forever. Look at verse 13. Uh, The second part of verse 13, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever forever. He is our only true God. And he is the only one who is deserving of all glory and all rule and all power. So let's give it to him. Keep your prayers going up to God and let's not be praying just to impress men. Okay. (coughs) Conclusion. I've already mentioned this. I won't mention it again. In verses 14 and 15, there's a fourfold emphasis on forgiveness which is the main theme, and I think this is because it is one of the greatest evidences that one is saved. Verse 14 and 15, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. If Stephen could say, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they do, and if Jesus could say that, then the fundamental question is, can you and I, the next time you're offended, So that's my lesson on the...